Hello and welcome to Brave Hearts Rising, a podcast dedicated to the empaths, deep feelers and dreamers of the world. I'm your host Lisa Pascoe and in these episodes we explore what it takes to create a wholehearted life, one where you thrive from the inside out. Here we value diversity, compassion, creativity and kindness because we know that the world is a brighter, more fun place to be when you are free to show up as who you truly are, not just who the world wants you to be. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get on to today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode two of season three of the Brave Parts Rising podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pascoe, and today I am talking to the delightful Tanya Markool. She is a poetess, enchanted storyteller and creative midwife. She is also the author of the She Book. She is dedicated to helping others heal by holding sacred space for their stories and by unlocking the impossibility of shape-shifting their pain into soul-led healing purpose. I absolutely love her poetry. Her words really speak to my soul and I really hope that you love this interview as much as I love doing it. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. So get comfortable and enjoy. Today I am so excited to be talking to Tanya Markle, aka Thug Unicorn and author of The She Book. Welcome Tanya to Brave Parts Rising. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. So excited to share you with the listeners. Now to start, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read one of Tanya's poems from The She Book. It's poem 96 and I think many of us will resonate with the words. So... I used to think I'd be alone forever, strange, misunderstood, aching to create, but too hurt to move. Then one day I started to share my weird, my bizarre, my darkest part of the night poetry and the scarred lining of my broken, hopeful heart. I was greeted by other wounded and open beings, dream weavers, love warriors, magic makers, and together we're walking each other home. When I read that, oh, I kind of felt emotional because that phrase we're all walking each other home is just one that resonates so much and I know that like me you are a big believer in creating safe spaces for people we're kind of almost collective healing there's just such a depth to the work that you do and the words that you speak um, and I am sure the listeners will have felt that in those words so to begin I would love for you to share with us parts of your story that have led you here to do this work and share in this way? Sure. Um, I started writing at a really young age. I started writing when I was six years old and I used to like scribble squiggly lines on top of lines and I would call it poetry. And I wrote my first book when I was seven And it was called Little Baby Boohoo. Mm -hmm. And it was about a little girl who cried all the time. And that book was about me. And I wrote my second book when I was like, I don't know, seven and a half. And it was about uh, a princess who was going to go into the forest and find her lover and then return home, you know, happy, the story we all know. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a story about my mother. Mm-hmm. And she left before I was two years old. And 
she went to find, you know, her happiness, her love, but she never came home. And so writing, you know, was a tool for me that I, that I knew that like fit naturally um, from a young age. And I obviously had a lot to say, you know, there were things going on in my life that were emotional and I, I didn't know how to express myself, but I knew that I could find something through writing. You know, it, it felt natural for me to do it. And then I lost, you know, the, the father figure of my life when I was nine mm -hmm. and I lost the mother figure of my life just about three and a, three and a half years later. And I completely stopped writing at that time. You know, I didn't know how to handle my emotions. I didn't know how to process grief. Mm -hmm. And like during that time, I had realized what kind of life I had been living. You know, I realized that I was being raised by my grandparents. I realized that I had been abandoned by my biological mother and father. I realized that there wasn't another adult figure, you know, in my life that was going to step up and offer me guidance. You know, I grew up really, really fast when my grandfather died and I stopped writing completely. And up until that point, like I knew I wanted to be some kind of artist. I loved art and expressing myself. But it was like almost like something inside of me knew that I wasn't able to process the emotions that I had been doing through like this creative expression and through some kind of like self-preservation. I had to completely cut myself off from it because I didn't know how to contain it. And I was too afraid. It felt so big. You know, I didn't know how to let it out. And I, I didn't have a safe place to like hold me in that realm and this was like you know on the verge of me going into high school and I had you know been not having the tools or like the experience or I didn't have the family network behind me to um, help me process all of this so I became another person you know I thought that who I was nobody wanted me you know like my my mother my father didn't step up nobody else stepped up and i thought i need to become a really good girl like i need to become better for someone to take care of me and so throughout like my high school years i became like a cheerleader <laughs> i was like look at me you know look at me see me i'm so good and I was like voted Miss Congeniality. I was like second runner up for homecoming queen. I was like first runner up for prom queen. I was like the sweetest, happiest person. But on the inside, I like literally hated myself. I was like suicidal. I had developed all kinds of really horrible relationships with food. Mm -hmm. um, I had horrible relationships with my friends. You know, it's so funny because I was one of the most popular girls in my high school and nobody knew my story 
And I graduated without a single friend. Like I left that space with nobody. And, you know, by the grace of God or, you know, the angels, I put myself through college. I was the first in my family to go to college. And that's a whole nother story. Like I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I had no fucking clue. And I drank the shit out of my life. I was a crazy party girl. I failed classes. You know, I did things that I am completely not proud of. I avoided once again going into like my craft. You know, the calling was there. I wanted to study art. I wanted to go into writing. There was actually an English teacher who came out to me and was like, you should be, you know, studying literature. And I was like, what's that? You know, I just had no idea. I had no idea. So anyways, you know, I, I ended up studying. I have a degree in journalistic writing. Still not writing, you know, still like writing about other people's lives, still avoiding talking about my own shit, my own story. I'm getting close to like, you know, my 30s. I traveled overseas. I put like a giant salty ocean between my roots and like myself. And when I moved to Denmark, it was like, I don't know, I entered this like dark season, you know, here in the north it's dark for like seven months, like gray rain. And I fucking like hit the wall, like never before. And oh, of course, you know, I was still continuing the whole party girl scheme. I was still like, get drunk, get drunk, numb it out, numb it out, hate my body, um, doing all sorts of shit. And then I started to get severe, like panic attacks, anxiety attacks. And I didn't know what it was at first. Mm -hmm. And I realized like I needed help, you know, I needed help to get me through this. And I had realized that I had been stuffing away like a decade, two, two decades of trauma. And that's really when I started to write again. And that was the medium, you know, a bunch of other things. I started taking care of myself. I stopped drinking, stopped doing drugs. And I was like, okay, you know, it's time to get real and figure my shit out because I cannot live this way. Like I was literally having night frights. I was like waking up in the middle of the night and like walking across the street to the emergency room because I thought I was going to die. And I started to clean myself up and I started to write again. And that's really when like, you know, the self-reflection came back and I was able to see like, I was someone who was in so much pain, so much emotional pain, and I was so numbed out that I had no, like, fucking clue who I was. So that's when I started writing again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that. 
And I guess as a follow-on, so what has the process of awakening looked like for you? I think I, I mean, I'm definitely still in that process. And you probably, you might have heard me or read some of my words, like it's, it's messy. Healing is fucking messy. And for me, it's been really like looking at myself, the parts of myself that aren't easy to look at and understanding how I've been so attached to more superficial aspects of who I am because it felt safe or have, has felt like that's how people wanted me to be so that I would be acceptable. So, I mean, it's been a process mentally, physically, spiritually. And I had my first, I have two children and I had my first child six years ago. And that was a whole nother like, whoa, you know, a, a huge removal of the veils and really pushing me over the cliff of having to deal with like my shit and really see myself in a more honest way. Yeah. And I think that's what I really love about your poetry, your work, is it's not all love and light. There is, there is the gritty and the dirt and the kind of that grounded earthy energy, like that is also sprinkled. <laughs> <laughs> with like glitter in it and stars which is um really beautiful reflection of that human messiness you were talking about and your work is quite vulnerable like your words are vulnerable what gives you the strength or what is your drive that enables you to continually show up in this way in the world i think like being vulnerable for me is feels like a more natural state now, you know, after years of experience and doing a lot of inner work, being vulnerable for me feels strong and feels more honest. But, and, and it also like being vulnerable for me is a place where I am more awake to and like more confident to put boundaries up when I need to, you know, and, and being vulnerable isn't an easy thing. And mm -hmm. I think it can be really scary for most of us. But for me, I really feel like being vulnerable puts me in a place of truth. And when I'm in a place of like authenticity, then I, I feel stronger and you know, people's projections or their judgments or their fear, I can feel more clearly what is theirs and like, what is mine? Mm -hmm. So it feels like a more grounded, natural place for me to be. And that's like vulnerability is really where I feel the most creative and the most alive. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's just such a difficult thing, I think, for so many of us. Like, because I really feel it when you talk about standing in your truth. It's like when I talk about being the oak tree, it's that kind of deep roots, strong feeling. Well, that's what I get when I hear it. Um, 
I don't know, in today's world where everything, especially social media, it can feel very divisive. It's very easy to shout into an echo chamber and yeah, navigating that space in a way that feels true and authentic whilst also protecting your energy. Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy. And I think for me, like, vulnerability has been something that has kind of also helped me deal with shitty people in my life because when you're so honest about what has happened to you and like sincere about it, there's not much anyone can do about that. You know, there's not much else that someone can throw at you when you're in a place of sincere truth. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, owning my story has been also me like, okay, it's time to put your big girl <laughs> pants on and own your shit, you know? And I feel like that is my path in life. And that's why I share these bits and these stories. And I'm also like, I have this ability to be vulnerable, but I'm also like, I love unicorns, you know, and I love the sparkle and I love, you know, playing with the light as well. Yeah. And you also talk about helping others to be bravely curious and brave curiosity. Like, what does that look like? What does brave curiosity mean to you? Over the work I've been doing, I mean, over the past 10 years, it surprises me so much how this is like not a judgment at all. It surprises me so much how much we don't say, you know, it surprises me to no end how we keep our stories secret. Like there's so much we don't say about ourselves. It's crazy. We're like, we share like the very tip of the iceberg and there's so much more. And mm -hmm. I think like most of us are afraid of that depth. We're afraid of being judged. We're afraid of being shamed. We're afraid of feeling guilty about aspects of our story. And I truly believe that those parts of us that we are afraid to share are really like our purpose, you know, our, our lanterns and fires for our creative energy and their healing messages for the world. And I also realized that this process of telling our story through personal experience, it is, it can be a really slow and gentle process. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say, just to invite like a brave curiosity and see what happens, you know, invite the possibility of telling your story and just see what rises to the surface so that it doesn't feel like you're having to pull like this huge mountain out of the ocean but that you're just letting bubbles come up to the surface and just see what arrives. Because it can be daunting, I think, for people. And I think for the empaths, the deep feelers, 
who have experienced trauma in childhood, it can feel overwhelming because there probably are layers of like numbing and other things on top. Um, so to kind of almost open Pandora's box feels a lot. So I guess one of the questions I had was, because you talk about helping others to shape shift pain into soul-led healing purpose, for those who are kind of maybe either in their pain or at the beginning of that self-healing journey, what words would you have? What words of wisdom would you have for listeners who are kind of in that place, but they want to? start that process but they it feels daunting that's a good question i mean i think it's a tough question as well like i'm not really here to tell anybody what to do i can only share from my personal experience and kind of lead from that angle mm-hmm. but i think if someone is curious then follow it you know follow that curiosity and ask for a sign and then see the sign and take action Mm -hmm. you know and i guess you know the message i would have for these people for these souls you know for these beings that i relate to so much is to is to say that you know you're not alone you're not alone and that your story matters and your voice is important and that your choices are significant and that we need you we need you and whatever part that you're ready for whatever part you're ready to feel whatever part that you're ready to reveal, whatever part that you're ready to heal is exactly what the world needs right now. Mm -hmm. Whatever that looks like is perfect. Thank you. And I think that's what I love about creating safe spaces and about circles or gatherings is it's creating those safe containers for people to gently explore and not feel like they have to be alone and it isn't about advice giving it's not about well if you follow this recipe you will be healed magically it definitely doesn't work like that um but i think it can be so powerful just to hear other people's experiences which is why i have the podcast because i think it's having these heart-to-heart deeper level conversations is just so important so that people know that they are definitely not alone and it's something that I feel passionate about I think just growing up for me like have as like a deep feeler with hormones and just feeling like it was the end of the world like every month and those thoughts of like wouldn't life be better if I just wasn't here it's just so messy but you feel like you're alone in that messy you feel like you're crazy and you feel like there's something wrong with you and actually so many of us have been through similar things. The source of trauma might be different, the source of pain and the specifics might be different, but there are universal experiences and kind of threads that weave through all of us. Um, so it's, it's powerful to know that we are not alone. And I feel like every time we have a heart to heart conversation, we weave another thread of like commonality or of connection. 
so yes thank you for being here i think one topic i'm really curious about kind of from my own perspective is how did growing up with your grandparents and your relationship with your parents or non-relationship with your parents impact your experience of belonging and your sense of identity oh shit <laughs> i'm still working on all of that i mean the sense of belonging is really hard that's still very hard for me you know i'm i am like the most introverted extrovert i'm like the person who has to know where the door is you know how to crack the window open to have fresh air like i'm still working on not needing to have the plan b escape route out of every like social situation because i'm still figuring out how to belong you know i know i belong i know that i am brave enough to keep finding the space in the world that fits my shape you know and filling it but i'm also still working through some really old trauma you know some really old patterns that i learned as a child that i i don't know that they will ever fully heal i don't know if i believe that but there's something that I, that I am conscious of that I'm working with. And that is, I mean, I feel like that's really hard. And I think it has also to do with re like learning to receive love and affection from other people, you know, allowing yourself to belong in a family. You know, I, I'm, I have started my own family six years ago, and that was a whole new thing for me, right? How do I belong here? in this family as the mother as the matriarch how do i belong in certain friendships and like just in recent years i've been doing this whole thing of like watching myself or becoming aware of like my self-sabotage mm -hmm. self-sabotaging in friendships self-sabotaging in like success self-sabotaging you know my own health and like well-being and that also plays a part in how I belong, mm -hmm. right? My self-worth and like, I'm worthy to take up this space. I'm worthy of sitting in this circle, right? I'm worthy of giving and receiving. I'm worthy of setting healthy boundaries for me. Like I belong here. So it's a process. It's a process. It's a big one. It's huge. It is. That's why. <laughs> That's why I asked because for me, I think growing up, my dad wasn't really in the picture and he was also adopted, which I found out slightly later. So I have a very close relationship with my mother, but that always felt like that piece that with a question mark. And because we moved quite a bit as well, there's always that sense of like, where are you from? And I'm like, I don't, I don't really have like this place where I belong other than the earth. And maybe that's why, you know, I have such an affinity for trees because I always feel most at home when I'm with the trees. Yes. Um, and that's kind of almost, I don't know, that feels almost like a soul remembering as opposed to a human thing. Does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, one of the things that I do, like, 
daily <laughs> is I spend time outside and I touch trees and I put my hand on the earth and have conversations. You know, I have a path that I walk and I acknowledge the life around me and it makes me feel like I remember and like it remembers me and there's a deeper connection here and human relationships are I think the hardest thing that we do and they can be really fucked up mm -hmm. and it's it can be really hard to feel yeah like we belong but we do there has to be something <laughs> something here for us yeah <laughs> another thing that i've been thinking about and that comes up a lot with the people that i speak to is is around intuition like how do you understand intuition and how do you know when you're really tapping into your own intuition and not something external because i think as empaths we're always absorbing i love that question i mean i really feel like you know, one of my friends was asking me today, like, how are you handling the situation? Like, how are you handling the world situation right now? And I was like, one is to stay calm, you know, and the other one is I'm tapping into my intuition. And what I mean by that is listening to like my inner guidance system, like what is my gut and my heart saying to do? Like, is it saying to panic or is it saying stay calm, make a plan, you know, be clever about how you use your time, what people you spend it with. So like intuition for me feels like aligned choices. It isn't something where I feel like I think we all know what it feels like to do something that we don't really want to do. Mm -hmm. To do something where we feel like someone else is like taking from us or forcing us to do something. So I think intuition is like truly deep listening to what your body is saying. You know, am I breathing when I'm making this decision? Am I breathing? Mm -hmm when I'm taking this action and there's a good chance that if I'm like holding my breath or if I'm not breathing, then it's not an intuitive action. Do you have interest? Do you have any other telltale signs in your body that help you know whether it's a yes or a no from your, like your intuition? Definitely. I mean, my whole like body posture, I'll notice like I can start going into this like, <laughs> like, you know, I'm like protecting like that self protection mode. Um, that one for sure. Like tight belly, tight jaw, um, tight like heart space. I always notice also what my hands are doing. You know, am I, am I fidgeting with my nails? Am I making fists? Like what are, what, where are my hands on my body? Like what am I reaching for? So yeah, definitely physical sensation, like fit, like the actual physicality of my body and then like sensations and breath. Breath is so big. And my mind, like if my mind feels 
scattered all over the place, then I know it's not intuitive. You know, if the mind, if my mind is more settled, it is more of an intuitive um, action for me. And do you have any kind of intuitive or spiritual practices that just help keep you grounded and, and in tune with you? Yes. I mean, like, okay, being in nature, 100% without the headphones on, you know, without anything on, just one-to-one connection with nature. Also, meditation, like however that looks for me, it's just like sitting quietly for a few minutes and like watching my breath and just relaxing, just completely relaxing. And sometimes I do that in the shower, right? Whenever you get a chance. Um, And creativity. Creativity is a major tool for me that strengthens my ability to be intuitive. Writing is such an intuitive strengthener for sure. And that's also where, you know, when you're painting or dancing or doing anything creative, writing, when you're doing anything creative, you go into that meditative state and you can feel when you're aligned, you know, when the colors, the color is perfect, when the lines of your poem just, whew, they, they show up on the paper, like there it is, you're, you're being led in a certain direction. Thank you. Mm. Oh, so lovely chatting to you. <laughs> you too. So we've already kind of briefly mentioned how we both value creating kind of safe spaces, sacred spaces. What makes a space sacred? Mm, love it. That's a great question. I mean, what makes a space sacred is non-competition, no competing no comparison, no judgment, and not trying to fix someone else or feeling like you need to offer advice or even encouragement or even like consoling someone. You know, really like sacred space for me, um, if I'm holding like a women's circle, is to be a strong presence of just unconditional, like, love, unconditional, like, space to allow someone to show up as fully as they can, as they are in their most authentic state without having an opinion about it mm-hmm. and without placing a label exactly that whole labels at the door you're not a mother or a daughter or a writer you are just yeah. you today exactly mm-hmm. and not taking what you know about that person like not taking their story not taking what you read on social media like last week like not projecting anything on them you know letting the them be free completely of the past Mm -hmm. so you're not like oh she feels this way because of this you know Mm -hmm. or he made that decision because of what I saw him do last week Mm -hmm. you know just letting the the space be almost timeless as well 
And I think as I'm listening to you, it's also important to highlight how we can hold this space for ourselves too, because we talk about holding safe space for others and being in circle. But I think so often we, we need to give ourselves that sacred space, that time to, to cry or just, just be whoever we are in that moment free from our own expectations because often the work <laughs> we are the worst at putting pressure on ourselves and mm. should be like why haven't i figured this out by now why am i still doing this i know this is an old pattern what the hell like you know we did it so kind of consciously even creating 15 minutes where you're right, like i'm going to be gentle with myself right now whatever shows up is fine if i think bitchy thoughts about someone it's okay like just allow the things um, and like observe, as you say, and yeah, I just, I, I invite listeners to practice holding sacred space for themselves. Oh my God, definitely. And I will just share like one thing I do every day. I have a sacred ritual that I do every day for myself. And every day I wake up and, you know, I brush my teeth and do all that stuff. And then I go and I light a candle every day it's like the first second or third thing I do in the morning after like taking care of my bodily functions and I light a candle and I light some sage or palo santo and I connect with my body you know just a hand on my heart or just realizing like I'm in this body form and I will like spray my house with some lavender scent or some kind of like essential oil mixture. And it feels like I'm starting the day off in a more sacred space and I feel more sacred. And then I move through that sacredness and it's a little bit like for me, how I start the day is so important. It is important and I just think that's one of those things that's really easy to forget just in the kind of the everyday like run like if you aren't conscious and you don't kind of create that habit which ultimately a conscious habit is a ritual then it's easy for the second or third thing you do to be your phone. (laughs) Totally oh my god it is. Again it's like the power of intention isn't it it's setting that intention and then I don't know committing to something because you just know how important it is and it can take 10 seconds yeah. and it's creating one because it could be that people don't have time for a can but maybe it's just spraying a scent or it's something else yeah it's just maybe consciously drinking your hot drink something to just oh. kind of switch turn a switch on like yeah. a, a secret switch <laughs> yes i mean it could be using like your favorite soap in the shower in the morning, like getting a soap that you love because of its scent or the way that it lathers. It doesn't even, it can be a part of like what you do every day. It doesn't have to be something extra. Just let what you're already doing become sacred. You know, let your shower be the most spiritual experience that you have that day you know let your shower be have a beautiful shower curtain have amazing soap surrounding you You can light a candle while you take a shower you know if that's your thing or have a beautiful plant hanging in your bathroom just something easy to have that reminder and that connection Mm -hmm. that it is sacred 
like whenever I walk the dog, there's a particular route and outside of the church there's like lavender and I will always rub the lavender and just whenever I see lavender I tend to rub it and just smell it <laughs> mm. because that always just connects me to yeah I know something deeper and I think again for us deep feelers the senses I think for all humans don't get me wrong I just think we're amplified sometimes we feel things a little bit more intensely that it's really important to engage the senses so I have a few questions that I ask every guest mm. firstly what are you most grateful for right now i'm grateful for my health right now thank you and what is one of your favorite ways to practice self-care my favorite ways i think i just mentioned it i love lighting a candle and i love essential oils thank you and who is inspiring you right now or what is inspiring you my six-year-old son is inspiring the heck out of me right now. He's so creative and so funny and like loves to dance and he's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And tell us about a book that's had a significant impact on your life. Whoa. Well, I haven't <laughs> had a lot of time to read books lately, but I will tell you that Megan Watterson's book it's the gospel of Mary has been a life changer and I probably get to read like a page a month, but it is amazing. And what is it about? It is about Mary Magdalene, mm -hmm. the gospel of Mary Magdalene and mm -hmm. everybody should check it out. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. And finally, if you could tell the listeners one thing, what would it be? Um, you are not alone and you belong here and we need you. And before you go, what are you currently working on and how can listeners find out more about you and your work? What am I working on? Um, the She Book 2 is mm -hmm. coming out this summer and I'm so excited for this book to come out. It is based on like a year, the darkest year of my life. And I wrote the entire year and I'm so excited to share it. So that'll come out in June. And I have, you know, some other stuff. So find me online. <laughs> I have some live events happening um, in Stockholm. Hopefully all of this stuff will pass and everybody will be healthy. Um, come visit me on my social media page and find out. Mm -hmm. And where can people find you online? You can find me at Thug Unicorn on Instagram, at Tanya Markul on Instagram, and Thug Unicorn on Facebook. Thank you. Before you go, one last thing. Can I just read one last poem? Please. Thank you. This is for the listeners. There's a time for cord cutting, letting go, breaking free. There's a time for shape-shifting, evolving, and time-traveling. There's a time for forgiveness, stillness, and empathy. There's a time for heart mending, strength building, and surviving. There's a time for waking wild, moon bathing, being messy. There's a time for just letting you be you, and what will be, be. Mm. I just felt like that was a really lovely way to end this conversation. Thank you so much, Tanya, for being here. It's been such a pleasure. I could, yeah, talk to you for quite a long time about so many things, so thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brave Hearts Rising podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating. 
And if you would like to receive my nourishing notes and reminders to be kind to yourself, as well as keep up to date with any future events and offerings, you can head over and sign up at www.lisapasco.com forward slash say hello. As always, remember to be kind to yourself and have a wonderful week. Bye.